0: Jeremiah has famously been called a heartbroken prophet with a heartbreaking message. He lived during the time leading up to Babylonian captivity. And during his more than 40 years of ministry, he warned the people of Judah about the impending doom. As you might imagine, his message was not one that people would consider pleasant. In fact, he was often rebuked and despised because of it. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 2 for just a moment, just to show you a typical section from the book that you will be reading this month verse 1 of the passage, the Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, Israel was Holiness to the Lord, the firstfruits of His increase, all that devour Him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination." The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. This is a small cross-section of the kind of preaching that you consistently find in Jeremiah's book. Where individuals are shown very clearly that their behavior has turned from what was once the faithful behavior of God's people to behavior that is characterized by rejection of God and His will. By turning their backs upon God. You'll find over and over again throughout the course of this book that as Jeremiah points to God's plan for individuals that folks will rise up and reject what he has to say. They'll challenge him. They'll act as if what he is speaking could not possibly be true because the people, the men and women of Judah possessed the temple of the Lord and the law of God. How could God ever turn His back on His people? And all the while, Jeremiah faithfully proclaimed God's will. And he asked things like this. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? And what you will learn as you read Jeremiah is that when individuals turn their backs on God, there is no relief. Our task, as we read this book, is to see the urgency of following the Lord. And of all of the things that could be done, to dedicate oneself to following God wherever He leads is the most important. We begin this study this morning by looking at the call of the prophet Jeremiah. But one of the themes that you're going to notice as we go through the first chapter of the book is that there is an aspect of inadequacy that Jeremiah feels in his own life. An individual who does not feel qualified, an individual who does not feel prepared to do what God is asking him to do. And we understand that sort of feeling. There have been times in our own lives in which we have felt inadequate There have been times in our own lives in which we feel as if we are unprepared to do what we know needs to be done. Perhaps it's with regard to teaching a loved one or a friend the gospel, someone that you care very deeply about, and yet you do not know where to start or what to say. There is a feeling of inadequacy. Perhaps it's because you don't feel strong enough to withstand the temptations that surround you. That you don't feel as if you're setting the right kind of example for your peers, for the people with whom you work, for your neighbors and your family members. Perhaps you wonder whether you can be the kind of Christian mother or wife the kind of Christian father or husband that God is calling you to be. And you feel a sense of inadequacy. You don't feel as if you are prepared that you're not able to do what Scripture describes that you must. I don't know whether those particular concerns dominate your thoughts this morning, but I do know this. I know that God does indeed have a plan that He expects us to follow, and I know occasionally there are times in our lives in which we don't feel as if we measure up to that plan, as if we don't feel as if we are prepared enough, adequate enough. And if you have feelings like that, what I would like for you to realize today is that you are not alone. Our passage reveals to us that the prophet Jeremiah, when called by God, felt a sense of inadequacy. He did not feel as if he was the one that God should have chosen. He did not feel as if he was prepared. He felt inadequate. But what we're also going to learn is that God had a plan. God intended to use Jeremiah to accomplish his will, and God continues to intend to use his people today to accomplish his will. And so our task is to learn from Jeremiah in this passage and to learn from the will of God and seek to follow his plan. I want you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. The first thing that we will notice as we look at this chapter is the need to trust God even when we feel like we are unprepared. And there will be moments in our lives in which we will not feel as if we are ready for the challenge that is at hand. Jeremiah certainly understood that. The book begins, though, by introducing him. In verse 1 of the text, the Bible says, "...the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin." to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Jeremiah's prophetic ministry spanned all the way from the good times under King Josiah, to the terribly difficult times under his sons. He watched Judah taken away piece by piece, not just one time in 586 B.C., but two other times as well. In 606, when Daniel was taken captive, and in 597, when Ezekiel was taken away. Jeremiah stood by and watched as his people moved farther and farther away from God. One detail about this passage that perhaps will be significant later in the book is that Jeremiah was from the city of Anathoth. That may not mean much to us. The text mentions it, though, for a particular reason. The author wants you to realize that Jeremiah is a priest. He is a Levite. Anathoth was one of the 48 cities given to the Levites. That's where he's from, which means he understands his task in serving God and working for God. With that brief introduction to the prophet in view, let's move along to what the text has to say. As you look at this passage, notice verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. When you read those two verses, it becomes very clear that God has a plan for Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We know Jeremiah's background. This is an individual who is a priest. He is from a city that belongs to priests. This is someone who has been prepared by his parents and perhaps by his ancestors before them to serve God. God has a plan for Jeremiah. Very clearly, He has something that He expects Jeremiah to do. Now these verses tell us obviously something about God's nature. If it is true that God had a plan for Jeremiah before He formed him even in the womb, before He knew him, He sanctified him, it reveals to us that our God does indeed, as Isaiah tells us in chapter 46 and verse 10, know the end of a thing from the beginning. God is aware of who Jeremiah is and who Jeremiah will be. He chooses him because of his constitution, because of his ability to proclaim the Lord's will in spite of the persecution that he will face. So it reminds us about God's nature. He is all-knowing. But it also tells us about God's power. He is the one, this passage tells us, who forms Jeremiah in the womb. Now, there's a text that's always been interesting to me that coincides with this. I want you to look briefly. Hold your place in Jeremiah 1 and look at Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. And notice what verse 1 says. It's a description of the power of God. The text says, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within it. It's interesting to me that when we talk about the power of God we often talk about things like creating the world in which we find ourselves or even beyond that Stretching out the heavens, the creation of this vast universe in which we dwell. But the passage in Zechariah reminds us that God is powerful not because He creates the earth, not because He stretches out the heavens, but because He forms the spirit of man within Him. God is the ultimate creator. He creates the soul that exists within each living being. And so on this occasion when He tells Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, Before I knew you, before you were born, I sanctified you. We learn about our great God, the significance of His power. We learn about His nature, His all-knowing abilities. But we also know something about His plan for humanity. Because He tells Jeremiah that He has known before He was formed, He has known before He really knew Jeremiah, that He ordained him a prophet and then watch the way verse 5 ends. To the nations. Not just to one nation. He did not ordain Jeremiah a prophet simply to the people of Judah, he ordained him a prophet to the nations. There's a clue about what that means later on in a very familiar passage in the book of Jeremiah, one that is quoted several times in the New Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 30, One, the Bible says in that text in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sins I will remember no more. God has a plan for Jeremiah. The God who knows all things. The God who is powerful enough to create this world in which we dwell. The God who is able to form the spirit of man within him has a plan for Jeremiah to be a prophet not just to one people, but to all people. To talk about a covenant that is coming that will replace the one that the Jews live under. One that will be open for all. But that's a lot of pressure. And Jeremiah does not think himself adequate for the task. And so in our passage in verse 6, he responds. And he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. When there's someone that you care deeply about and you know that they need to hear the Gospel, and yet you refuse to bring up the subject, Because, what if you just don't know enough? You understand the feeling of inadequacy that Jeremiah has. When there's an instance in your life in which you know you need to take a stand so that those you go to school with will see what a Christian should do in this particular situation, but you don't feel strong enough you know a bit about the inadequacy that Jeremiah felt. When you look around at the lives of others and you see individuals who at least at first glance look as if they are able to easily care for their children, they paint a picture of blissful love in their marriage, everything seems to be going just exactly right and you feel inadequate Because that's not what your life looks like behind closed doors. You understand a little bit about how Jeremiah feels on this occasion. His excuse, I cannot speak for I am but a youth, reminds me somewhat of the excuse that Moses gives to God in Exodus the third chapter and Exodus the fourth chapter. God was telling Moses, I have prepared you to go and lead my people from Egyptian bondage. And Moses says, God, I am not the one to use. I don't have the ability that you think that I have. I'm slow of speech. I I can't do the job that you're asking me to do. Jeremiah on this occasion is doing nothing less than Moses did. He's saying, God, yes, I'm so thankful for your plan for the nations, but I'm not the one to carry it out. That's a burden that's too great for me to bear. It's something that I cannot do. And we follow His example and we make excuses about our own inadequacy and we say, I just don't know enough to teach my friend or I just don't think I'm strong enough to set the right example or I just don't think that I can be what God is calling me to be. But what happens in this passage that's very, very important is that God assures Jeremiah that he can accomplish the task, which, by the way, he has done for us as well. And God prepares him to do so. Look as the passage continues, verse 7. The text says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. What has God done? He has assured Jeremiah that the task that he knows Jeremiah is capable of doing through his infinite wisdom, the task that he has equipped Jeremiah to do through his wonderful power is a task that Jeremiah can indeed accomplish. He can accomplish it because God has prepared him to do so. Perhaps he has used his background as a priest from the city of Anathoth to enable him to understand the importance of doing the will of God. To have the desire to be faithful to God's will. And so he encourages him and tells him, I have touched you and put my words in your mouth. That common language reminds us of what we see so frequently in the prophets as well. In the sixth chapter of Isaiah, God prepares the prophet to speak by touching his mouth. In the second chapter of Ezekiel, God prepares the prophet to speak by touching his mouth. Let me remind you that we have assurance of God's presence in our own lives today as well. We have the assurance that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We have the assurance of the Holy Spirit of God who is given to those who obey God's plan. And just like Jeremiah, we have the necessary information to accomplish God's will. Information that is given to us by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So what you find as you walk your way through this passage is that God is calling Jeremiah to do a task that He knows Jeremiah is able to accomplish. And although Jeremiah is attempting to excuse himself from God's plan, God is going to assure him that this is what it is His will for Jeremiah to do. And having done that, he sets forth his expectations and he does so clearly. Look at verse 10, if you will. He says, see, I have set this day over you, over the kingdoms and nations, to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God tells the prophet, I have a plan for you. I have expectations for you. And God would continue to tell us today the same. He demands of us that we share the gospel with our neighbors, even when we feel that inadequacy. That we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever our Lord has commanded us. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. God is still calling us to set the kind of example that the followers of Christ should set. Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And God is calling you to be the kind of husband or wife, the kind of mother or father who glorifies Him, who honors the plan that He sets forth in Scripture who calls for us to live differently. And so I would encourage you when you are struggling with inadequacy to learn to trust God even when you feel unprepared. But our passage does not end there. In verses 11 and 12 we find another aspect of this important subject. Not only should we trust God when we feel unprepared, but we likewise should trust God even when we are unaware of His plans. When the things that we see don't necessarily match up with what we think God wants from us, our trust must be with God. And God shows this to Jeremiah in quite an unusual way. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Now it's easy for us to read these two verses and to wonder what the Obvious connection is from Jeremiah looking at the branch of the almond tree to God saying, Jeremiah, I am ready to perform my word. And how does that affect us in our inability to understand God's plan? Well, notice this first. We tend to have a decent grasp of the obvious. We tend to think about the things that are immediately before our face. We tend to understand at least the things that we can see in our own lives. And on this occasion, when God asks Jeremiah, what do you see? He looks around and the first thing that he sees is the almond branch. There are a couple of things that are of significance about that. The almond branch was the first to bloom or bud in the spring. And so if an individual was looking for something like that, it might be like the buttercups for us. How do you know that spring is coming? Because you can see the buttercups on the sides of the road. How did he know that something was there? He saw the buds on the almond trees. More particularly, however, there is an original word that's used for almond tree called shaked. That doesn't necessarily jump out to us in the English translation, but it does fit nicely with what God responds. You see, when God responds to Jeremiah's vision of the almond tree, the Lord says, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. The idea of Jeremiah seeing well and God being ready to perform His word is translated from a word very similar to shaked. It is a word that that is... Pronounced Shoked. Jeremiah, you have seen, and I am watching. What we see as necessary in our lives is not necessarily what God is planning for us. Jeremiah saw himself as but a youth who did not have the ability to accomplish the will of God, who is being called to a task he believed to be greater than his own ability could bear. We see the obvious. We see the ordinary. We see our limitations. We see our weaknesses. God sees what is needed. He sees our potential. He sees our place. And it's not possible for us to question God's timing or His plan. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His summon his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Trust God even when you are unaware of his plans. Trust God when you feel as if you do not understand or if you are unprepared. And then thirdly from this passage, trust God when others around you are unfaithful i want you to watch what takes place as the text continues to unfold verse 13 and the word of the lord came to me a second time saying what do you see and i said i see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north then the lord said to me out of the north calamity shall break forth of all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come, and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls, all around, and against all the cities of Judah." I will utter My judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken Me, burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hand. God intended to punish the faithful and He uses this vision to show Jeremiah this is where the punishment's going to come from. There is a boiling cauldron that's about to spill forth. It sits in the north, but it will pour toward the south. And God was about to use a people from the north to come and to overcome the people of Judah. The Babylonian nation was being prepared to conquer those who claimed to be God's people. You trust God even when you feel inadequate. You trust Him when you do not believe you are prepared. You trust Him when you do not understand His plan. And you trust Him when everyone else around you turns their back on Him. You trust God when others are unfaithful. And you do this because God has promised to protect those who do trust Him. Look at the way the chapter ends. Verse 17. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise. Speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, against all the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Jeremiah, even your own family is going to turn its back on you. The priests are going to reject you. But I'm with you. Sometimes we feel inadequate because we feel like we're alone. In this world in which we find ourselves, there are so many people who are unfaithful to God and we wonder, can we really be faithful to God in this environment? And God tells Jeremiah, yes, you can. Prepare yourself. The key to overcoming inadequacy is preparation based on the instruction of God. We can be prepared. We can know God's plan. And we can be faithful when everyone else around us turns their back to Him. Our task is to follow the Lord even when we feel inadequate. You may have instances in your own life in which this is the case. Feelings of inadequacy. Times in which you feel as if you are incapable, as if you are unable, as if you are weak. Jeremiah felt that way. God, I can't speak. I am but a youth. But God had other plans. We are weak, but He is strong. We can accomplish the will of God with His help. Trust Him even when you feel unprepared. He has equipped you through His Word. Trust Him when you are unaware of His plans. He knows what's best. Trust Him even when others are unfaithful, for He is faithful. In a world where so many people have turned their back upon God, let us follow Him with all of our ability.